and welcome to the Fully Free Podcast with your host, Taylor Lee. This is the podcast to get real about what it takes to become the wealthiest and happiest version of you. After creating my first seven-figure year, 12 months after having my first baby, I am on a mission to show as many women as possible how they can create tons of money in their online business with the most ease and joy possible. I'm here to inspire you and guide you with weekly episodes on money, marketing, life, and all things online business. All right, let's dive in to this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited today to be here with Abby. Hi, Abby. How are you? Fine, thanks. How are you? Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. I'm so good. Um, so Abby Peretz is a mom of five as well as a business owner. So I'm really excited to have her here. We're going to talk about mom life and business. We're going to talk about scaling too quickly, which I'm so excited to dive into and who knows what else will come up. So before we dive into all of that, Abby, do you want to take a second and let everyone know just a little bit more about who you are, what you do? Sure. Uh, although I'm a chronic oversharer, so this uh, this might go long. Uh, yes. So I'm Abby. I do have five kids. One husband. I have worked as a professional writer for my entire adult life. So when my first baby was born almost 23 years ago, I decided that I wanted to be a freelance writer because I wanted to be at home with her. And most importantly, I did not want to have to wear pants with buttons. So that was a really big driver in my decision there. And I became a freelance writer without really understanding what that was and built a freelance writing business while like checking out books from the library and under to understand what freelance writing was. And this was like before Google, like our search engine back in the day was Alta Vista. So it wasn't quite as easy to find information as it is now. So I had to do a little more legwork. Um, and then I had a, my third child was born with some special needs and needed lots of therapies and everything. So it, it turned out that freelance writing was this really great choice that I had made because it meant that I had the freedom to be able to sit in waiting rooms and do work and still be getting paid. Um, and then that same kid a few years later got cancer, which sucked and was horrible. And during that time I didn't work at all. And when I came back, like kind of into the land of the living um, after he had recovered and was out of the hospital and was no longer in danger all the time, I started the business I currently have, which is called Successful Freelance Mom, where I teach other women and moms how to get started in freelance writing because I realized how critical it was, not just when you have a kid with special needs and not just when you have a kid who's sick, but really for all moms to have that flexibility in life. And it doesn't always have to be, of course, through writing, but that's what I know and that's what I know how to do. And so these days I split my time between running Successful Freelance Mom and helping other women and moms get started in freelance writing and doing writing for a handful of my own clients um, because I love doing it still. So I love that. So you've been doing this a long time, the mom thing and the freelance writing thing. (laughs) Um, No, I love it. I was thinking before our call today 
about uh, kind of about what you're saying, where it's like, I can't imagine sometimes like, the conversation I have with moms and on the podcast and even just by myself on the podcast is like mm-hmm. how it is possible that you can do it all and have a business and have kids. But I was kind of laughing at the fact that like, I think sometimes we forget that in a lot of ways, I feel like having a regular job in kids would be a whole lot harder than having a business. (laughs) And I can't imagine, you know, um, having to ask for time off for all these little things that, you know, come up with your kids. So it, it, I I don't, I mean, you're like on the whole other side of the world, but like, (laughs) it's kind of impossible to be a mom and work unless you find a way to do so that gives you a lot of this flexibility. Yeah, I think, you know, it's really true when they say you have to choose your hard. So yes, starting a business is hard, but also, like you said, having to ask someone, is it okay if I take today off because my kid has a fever? I don't want to ask somebody that question. I want to know the answer to that question is, of like, again, I have five kids. Their ages now, their ages um, almost 14 through, um, no, sorry. Is that right? Oh my gosh. Yes. Almost 14 through almost 24, I think. Wow. (laughs) Not 100%. I have to double check those numbers because that sounds crazy. (laughs) Anyway, um, there's a lot of them. I get confused. But the point is like, I have one kid right now who's going through a really hard time. And that has meant that like I've had to change my schedule so that this child isn't alone during long periods of time. So then I'm ensuring that this child is getting out in sunshine daily. And if I had a job in an office where I were leaving my home every day, I would feel very unsafe right now. I would feel that I was putting my child at risk and I'm not okay with that. So like, I don't ever want somebody else telling me, oh, you can't take this time to to care for your family effectively. Oh my gosh. No, 100%. So on that note though, I do think that sometimes people get kind of in over their head or a lot mm-hmm. of us have these stories about having to work really hard, improving ourselves. And I mean, I know I I was burning out in my business and I had no kids <laughs> and I look back and I kind of laugh at it now, but truly I was like, working around the clock, never getting outside, never moving my body, just like just prioritizing client work constantly. Um, What like, have you experienced that? What boundaries have you had to set with yourself, with your business? Like what non-negotiables do you have? Like what is, what does that look like? What has it looked like through these different phases of motherhood? Indeed. Well, I'm really lucky because Um, My family is Jewish and I've always had Shabbat off. So from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, I don't work. I'm not on my phone. I'm not, I'm not on the internet at all. Like I'm not reachable. And that's not how every Jewish person is. It's how my family is. And that's a non-negotiable because God said so. So like, it's not a rule that I can be like, oh, I'm not going to do that this week. That's not a thing right? So that's an always rule. And that makes it in a sense easier to maintain other boundaries because one, I'm totally aware, like a lot of people will tell me my sister at one point had a job in, I'm not even sure what, like it was something that she majored in math at Harvard and lives a very different life to mine and not something that I really understand. So, um, Anyway, and she was saying like, oh, it's impossible. I'm not, it's not possible for me to take off for XYZ Jewish holiday. And I was like, 
okay. I mean, clearly it is because there are many people who do it. You're deciding that it's not possible for you. And so that's what you're operating from. So because I knew that this is something that is possible, like it made it easier to enforce other boundaries, both with clients and with myself and with my family, really. So like right now, as I speak to you, there's a child over here who sees that I'm wearing (laughs) headphones and knows that that's a boundary. I'm not sure if he's actually going to respect the boundary. He just said, you're talking about me. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure that he's going to respect the boundary, but he's aware that it is one. Um, Mm. But I'm also very careful about if I say to my kids, um, I'm going to be unavailable for the next hour and then I'll be back upstairs. I'm very careful to actually end at the end of the hour and go back upstairs because I think it works both ways. Yeah. Respecting each other both ways, respecting the boundaries Mm -hmm. both ways. I love that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think we all need that, like (laughs) Jewish or not, pick a day, take take (laughs) it off. Like, but I mean, it's such a good point. Like you, it's a non-negotiable, you know, and there's a difference between like a dream life, you know, situation Mm -hmm. that you'd like to have versus making something really non-negotiable. That's something I wish I could go back and do differently when I was first starting, because Mm -hmm. for me, it was non-negotiable to like get everything done and respond to all my clients. And I mean, anyone listening to this who has a business knows it's never done. There's always another client you could respond to. There's always another thing that you could do. Um, So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) true it's true but the, the it's it's also like i mean one of the things that's always been easy for me to ignore is dishes in the sink like we choose our priorities right and just like the dishes if i choose not to do them tonight they will still be there in the morning also the work like yes i could sit here until 11 o'clock at night every night i don't know what good that would do because i would still come back the next day and there would be more to do so it makes a lot more sense for me to kind of have an end to the day at a decent hour so that I'm doing other things. And then I know when I come back tomorrow, there's still going to be work for me to do. That's okay. It's not like there's no real reason for me to have to get everything done today. Yeah, no, truly. It's like, it literally does not matter how much you get done today. There will be more tomorrow. I've yet to have Mm -hmm. a day where it's like, there's literally nothing I could possibly do in my business. <laughs> it's like laundry. It's never going to yeah. be all done. Like I might celebrate for like eight seconds, like, woo, we got it all. And then like somebody will come and throw something. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Can't you be <laughs> naked for a little bit? So, no. so I'm excited to dive into this story that you have that I've only gotten to hear a tiny bit about. So selfishly, I'm like excited to hear about what happened, but... <laughs> So there, so tell us more. There was a phase of your business where you actually grew maybe too quickly, grew your team too quickly, scaled too quickly. Like what happened? Yeah. So I really, what I did is I grew my team too quickly. What I did was, do you ever, I'm sure you've done this. Like you look at other people's businesses and what we see is what they present, right? Like we see the outside view. And I think Mm -hmm. of this very much as like, if you went through, let's say you were driving through a neighborhood and you saw a beautiful house and you were like, I, this house is gorgeous. This is the house I want, but you've never been inside. So you hire an architect and you're like, build me this house, but you only have pictures of the outside. They're not going to get the inside, right? Because you have no idea what it looks like. So you're going to have a staircase that like ends in a wall or like a door that opens to nothing because they're not going to be able to do it. And that was really what happened to me. I, um, I got caught up in this, like looking at other people's businesses and I was working with a coach and like 
seeing what she presented in her business, which it turned out was not really what was happening behind the scenes. And so I wanted the external part of my business to look that same way. And I was not at that place yet. I mean, it wasn't like I wasn't making money. I mean, I was making over $300,000 a year. Yeah. But I was working on the wrong things to bring in some of that money. And that sounds a little bit weird, but like it wasn't where I wanted to be focusing my time and attention. And the pieces that I outsourced weren't pieces that I should have been outsourcing. Like I also got caught caught up in this whole, what people tell you when you scale that, well, you can't do, you can't do things that aren't going to scale. Like you can't be in your business and you can't be the person doing all the coaching and you can't be the person doing all the teaching. And that, I didn't, I mean, I didn't love that, but I was like, okay, well, that's what I have to do. So I hired people to kind of take what I think of as the fun parts of the business away from me. And then I was like, well, this sucks. I hate this. I don't want to just be doing all the, like the hard work. I want to be doing the fun, getting in the trenches with my people stuff. I want to be showing up. I want to be the one doing the Facebook lives. I want to be the one on the calls, whatever. And, um, and so I was paying these people a significant amount of money you know, and I'm just thinking about this now. I seem to like, this seems to be a recurring like theme in my life. I remember posting once like on Facebook, I feel like I'm doing something wrong because I have just like, I'm paying somebody to hang out with my kid now while I'm in my kitchen cooking. Like that is not the way I want to be doing this. I would much rather be the person at the park with my kid and pay somebody else to cook. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's like, it's that kind of thing. Like I, I was paying somebody to do the parts that I wanted to be doing. And then I was stuck doing the parts that I didn't want to be doing. And I was out all of this money and I did not like it. And, um, and then it becomes very uncomfortable because then you have to get rid of people who it's not their fault. They haven't done anything wrong. And as business owners, we can often take on this responsibility of other people's finances, right? Like I'm paying somebody and they're counting on this money and what happens. And so it just became this horrifically messy situation that I felt like for a while, I felt like there's no way out. Um, and then I had to find a way out. So I did, and it was wildly uncomfortable and also an amazing learning experience. So what did you find from that though? Like once you released some of those team members and burned things down, so to speak, did you find that like you could keep up that same revenue level without all of that? Or what was, what did you realize afterwards? Well, the revenue level is not the same right now. And that's mostly because I'm not doing the the high ticket program right now, because it didn't feel great. It didn't feel great. It didn't feel like, it didn't feel like it was what people needed. Um, and, uh, whatever. So no, the revenue level is not the same, but yeah, I mean, like, it wasn't like, I'm able to do the things that I want to be doing. And I think that there's definitely a way for me to be perhaps making less money, but keeping more of that money. Cause I'm still paying for things that I don't necessarily, I don't know if it's that I don't need to, or I don't want to, like I, there are definitely places where I see in my business that I can still streamline. And for me, it's about getting super clear on where do I want the money to be coming from? What do I want to be doing for that money? What are the parts that I really hate and don't want to do? Do they even need to be in my business at all? Like, do I have to have that? 
just because somebody else has it in their business, do I have to have that in my business? And, and if I don't, what is that really truly going to look for? Like, yes, there's, there's revenue, but there's also profit. So it's not really like, I'm always amused at people when they talk about their, you know, their, their revenue numbers and they don't share how much they're putting into ads or what they're paying to a team. So their profit is actually very small. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're not, they're not talking about that. They're talking about the giant revenue numbers because uh, that's sexy and fun. And I'm, I mean, I've always been over that. Like, it's not who I am as a person. I've always been incredibly transparent. And when I did talk about revenue, I also showed the outgoings every single month. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely like, there are, there are easier ways to make money and there are lots of ways to hang on to more profit that would include less work. And so, you know, it'd be lower revenue total, but greater profit overall. No, 100%. I've seen that too. Like, it's very common. Like, your business makes a million and it's actually technically good for a million dollar right. company to be taking home. If you're taking home 100 to 300K of that, that's right. actually really good. You know, so right. sometimes I do like when people are like, well, they don't say the expenses. It's like, well, of course they have expenses. But then when you think about it, are there ways to run a business that makes 100 and 300K and you keep most of that? Most of it. I mean, yes, 100%. And I know lots of people, like if I were just writing for clients, I would do that. Like I would clear that money and I would keep, you know, I would pay taxes. My expenses would be like my internet and my computer, which are expenses I would have anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like they're very, very minimal. I would not have team support. I would not have all the software that I need to run like a course and coaching business. I wouldn't have all of those things. I wouldn't have nearly the amount of email to deal with in the administration, (laughs) right? And there are definitely days when I'm like, why don't I just do that again? And then I remember, I do actually really love teaching and empowering other women. Like that's, it's, it's, it it gives me purpose, right? Um, But yeah, it's not nearly as profitable as some people want to pretend that it is. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure there's people who make a million and keep a lot more than 100 to 300K. But I think the majority don't. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's totally normal and good numbers. Mm -hmm. But you've got to like check in on what like what you're Mm -hmm. saying. Like, What do I really love? Because some people, I, I mean, I love my small little team. But like anytime my team has gotten much bigger than it is now... I'm shocked by like how much extra work it actually adds to my plate. And yes. that's something that's not talked about a lot. You know, like, do you really want to run a large company with different departments and team? And some people do. A lot of people don't. And I think a lot of us end up doing that just because we want to hit those big numbers to like, right. I think a lot of us right. have worthiness stuff and, you know, it, it changes our whole business. I did a program where like one of the first books they gave me to read was like, oh, um, I'm not, I'm going to blank on the title of it, but it was very much designed for like running an organization, like a company, you know, and it was about like having weekly team meetings and like your organizational structure and hierarchy. And I was like, I hate this. This (laughs) sounds horrible. Please tell me that this is not what I'm working towards. Like this is not, if I wanted this, I'd go get a job. Like I don't want to deal with this. I just want to have, you know, like one or two people who I'm talking to and we're doing the things and we're making it happen. And I think that that's totally possible. I know that that's totally possible. And um, yeah, I, I, and I have no, pro- like for somebody who wants to run a company and to 
to operate in that kind of hierarchy and whatever, awesome, go do that. It's not for me. It's not what I want. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a good permission slip for people who are listening, who, who might be having that realization like, oh, cause I know I didn't think of, of it until I was there as well. And, and I didn't get like as far into it as maybe I could have, but then I felt mm. like, oh, I'm not following all the rules. I'm not doing exactly what they're saying. Of course I'm not farther ahead. And then I had to realize like, I kind of like my like little mm-hmm. basic business. <laughs> <laughs> that mm-hmm. makes really good money. <laughs> right. Like I remember somebody saying like, oh, you can't, <laughs> no true multi-six figure business owner uses Trello. And I was like, well, that's not true because I am a multi-six figure business owner and I do use Trello. And now I don't yeah. even use Trello. Like <laughs> at this point, I'm so like lean and whatever that I, I run everything in Apple Notes. And it's only when I have to actually share it with other people that I'm like, oh, fine, I'll throw it in a Google Doc so you can see it too. But <laughs> Like, I don't want any of those and forget about like click up a sign. Like, I was like, those are way too complicated for me. I like really basic, simple things. That's all I want to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Most <laughs> of my stuff ends up in, first of all, I've got post-it notes everywhere right now. That's where the real <laughs> magic happens. And why do yeah. I have to use these teeny tiny post-it notes instead of a full <laughs> sheet of paper? So I have these post-it notes positioned as if they're a full sheet of paper. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> and eventually maybe it'll have to go into like a Google Doc for Casey, but... <laughs> right, right. That's like, but yeah, the way we work for ourselves is, um, you know, I know I've, tr- I've, for years I've tried to like train myself. I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't do it in notes. I should put it into Trello so the team can see it. And then I was like, this is stupid because it's literally, I'm taking the stuff that I'm writing in notes and then I'm wasting time copying and pasting it and formatting it into Trello. We're not doing that anymore. So yeah. now it goes into Apple Notes, which is where I think most clearly, and then copy paste into a Google Doc where it's literally one copy paste. And the formatting is the way it's formatted in notes, which means it's not formatted and like deal with it. And that's what it is. So yeah. Yeah. Basic. Yeah. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of people as well, hire team members. I mean, I have this conversation every week where it's like people feeling overwhelmed by their team members. And then it's like, okay, well, what are they actually doing? And a lot of the times the things they've hired for, A, they don't know what their team is doing. They like can't even, they're like, they're supposed to be doing yes. this, this and this. I'm like, okay. But then also the things that they are doing or even that they're supposed to do are like extra things that aren't even actually required. Um, and don't really add much, if anything, to the bottom line, to the profit, to the, to even the revenue. It's like, right. This might not really be the smartest move. It's not saving you time because now you're just managing. It's Mm -hmm. not making you more money because it's just extra fluff to make your business look good Mm -hmm. and you don't enjoy it. So what are we doing here? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. We've got three no's. It's like, I don't want, it's like Brussels sprouts, you know, like I don't want that and they're disgusting and they smell bad. So no. Yeah. (laughs) Three no's. We're, we're, we're good. We're done. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, also like letting go of these people having to fire like perfectly good team members. Like, yeah, that does suck. And you mentioned like that responsibility for like the, the money that you're paying them. And Mm -hmm. I've literally felt that every single time and it comes up all the time and it's not talked about a lot. So I just kind of wanted to like bring that back up. Like that is such a normal feeling. Um, that is really hard to navigate and, and you know, it is, it's like the worst. And, and, 
you never know how somebody's going to take it and just like being in the moment. And it's so hard. And you feel like I've done something wrong. Like I've made this terrible mistake and it's not always true. It's, it's, yeah, it sucks and it's hard and it's true. People don't, people don't talk about the, any, any of the non, non sexy side of business people don't want to talk about. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm the person who will share that and tell you all the things I'm feeling and thinking. And yeah, I'm, I'm right there in it. So, yeah, I feel you. And you also brought up, you know, kind of being in a place right now, which I think a lot of people are and me, um, shifting your offers and, you know, thinking about what your people actually need and how that high ticket program wasn't actually like the thing that your people really needed. What has that been like for you? It's hard because there were parts of that program that I really do love. And, and I do, I mean, I think that, I think that a lot of people need a lot of what, um, what I taught in that program. So I've kind of made different formats of it, but I don't think that some of this stuff that we call high ticket needs to be priced the way we've been told to price it. I don't think that there's benefit in, I think definitely there is at times I have joined programs and paid money more for accountability than for anything else to know, okay, I'm going to have these check-ins. I'm going to have to get stuff done. I'm going to have to show up. And I want that accountability. And I don't have an issue with that. Um, I think that there are plenty of ways to learn things. And sometimes we feel that if we're not paying big money, then we don't have the right to be in certain rooms. I don't think that's true. And Mm. I think that for me personally, I, the program that I was running was a 12 month program. And I discovered that I didn't like the length of that program. And through conversations with some of the students who went through it and some of my team members and whatever, like what I came to is there are definitely, there are always people who are going to want things to be longer. Um, and there are always going to be people who don't, and I can't, fix it for everybody. And I can't run these custom programs for everybody. So I'm going to go with what makes me feel good. And what makes me feel good is not a 12 month program, like not by a long shot. Like I just ran a program now that was six weeks and we had a conversation, an open conversation at the end. Like, how did you guys feel about the length of this? Cause we're still playing with it. And literally half of them were like, Oh, I definitely think it should be longer. And the other half were like, Oh, it should not be one day longer. So I was like, all right, you know, whatever. So I'm going to pick what's what, what works for me because I'm the one who needs to show up and be in the right energy all the way through. And the people who are looking for something that length are going to be thrilled. And the people who want it to be longer or shorter are going to either decide to enroll or not to enroll, but they're going to know upfront, this is what's happening. This is where we're going. Um, And I think I loved having a program that I could charge $15,000 for. Um, it was empowering. It was, a, it was a part of my business that I needed to go through. I'm okay with not having that program on the books right now. I think there's plenty of work that I do that's worth that money. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I see that kind of income coming in more right now through my actual writing work for clients. Um, and in my group program, I don't feel that I need to be like, I, it's not that I offer any less. And I think that the framework and the core tenets of what I teach are the same 
whether you're in my very lowest offer or whether you're in my very highest offer, I'm t- it's not like I'm hiding the good material for certain people at all. Um, it's just how much of me are you getting? How much yeah. are you are you on a one-on-one call with me? Are you only in group calls? Like that kind of thing. So I'm playing with those numbers, but I just, I'm not feeling like I need to, I don't think that in order to be seen as a good coach, I need to charge a certain amount of money. I'm not feeling that right now. So, yeah. I love that because I feel like there's a lot of people who the pricing and the length, which the length is like the length of your program is like the funniest thing to me to like get like so stuck on. But we do. And we, me too. I do it too. Um, Price I get a little bit more because it, you know, whatever. It just feels like it's so much more of a game changer, but it's it's not really, you know, I mean, I see it all the time where people, they're like, well, I tried selling a, $1,200 program and I got five people and then I get five people in my $12,000 program. Like, yeah, really like, right. They're very similar to sell shockingly. But the thing, the thing is, is that like a lot of people don't want the like, do what feels good answer because it's like not strategic enough. (laughs) And so we do, we listen to other people who like really sell you on the high ticket or really sell you on the low ticket. But at the end of the day, like with my clients, I'm like, I just wish you would just charge the price that you have the least resistance around. And just mm-hmm. pick the length that you have the least resistance around and we'll make it work from there. Like then we'll right. focus on, then we can actually move on to the good stuff, the marketing, the copy, <laughs> the right. content. Right, The fun, yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so funny because just today, I was, um, I just did a reel today where it was just me talking and it was like, you can't tell me that your ideal client can't afford the program you're trying to sell or the price point that you're offering, because if they're your ideal client, by definition, they can afford it and they want to pay for it. Like it, nothing makes me crazier. And I want to explain this correctly. Like nothing makes me crazier than when my students come to me and they're like, oh, you know, my clients will never pay X amount for, my ideal clients will never pay X amount for this service. And I'm like, then they're not your ideal clients. Like what are you talking about? And why it doesn't make me crazy. It's because like when you get to the point where you figure out, I can do basically anything I want to do. Um, and it's, I really just have to work on myself and my thoughts and we'll say my mindset, but I hesitate to say that because so many people misunderstand that and think that I mean, like, if I just think it, it will be right. Um, but when you know that that's the truth, that I just have to work on how I think about these things and then I can do anything I want to do. You want everybody else to know and understand and embody that because you want them to be that successful. Like you and I know, Taylor, it does us no good to have students who are not successful. Like that is not what we're going for. We are not trying to keep anything from anybody. We want everyone we work with and everyone we impact to be wildly successful. That is what we always want. And that is the what it, what motivates us, right? That's why we get up in the morning. So I, it makes me crazy because I want these women to be so wildly successful. And when they are getting in their own way and coming to me with things like, well, my, my ideal client won't pay that. I just then they're not your ideal client. Stop telling me that. So yes, that's uh, that's a big thing. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I literally have like said that exact same thing like years <laughs> ago. Like I know mm-hmm. I've said that before because it's so true. Like your ideal client should be someone that wants to work with you, wants to invest in themselves. Because another thing people will say, well, my ideal mm-hmm. client doesn't really like understand investing in themselves. <laughs> like they don't want to invest in themselves. I'm like, 
why did you pick that as your ideal client then? (laughs) Because you are picking who your ideal client is. Like, what's the strategy behind that? Like, how is that going to work out for you as a business model? Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy making. Oh my God. It's too funny. It's so true. Um, so I feel like you've said some of this This is a new question. I want to start asking my guests and I don't even have the question written down or super clear. So you're going to, you're getting the messy version. All right. (laughs) What would you say, what would you say are, let's say three non-negotiables for your business to be aligned to the fully free life that you want? Okay. Um, one, the work has to feel good by which I mean, the work has to be light and fun. It can be like, it can take actual effort, right? I have no problem with working hard, but when I'm working hard, it should be light and easy and fun. Like the days when my husband comes to me, he's like, do you even know that it's nine o'clock? Like what are you're usually asleep for an hour by now? What is happening? And I'm like, so into what I'm doing that I didn't even notice. So that's a big one. The work has to feel good. Like in that sense. Okay. This will sound wrong. So I have to explain it. Mine all come with caveats. What can I tell you? (laughs) Uh, The work has to come second. Why? Because life has to come first, right? And Mm -hmm. life can be different things. So life can be my family. It can be a kid who's going through erupting. It could be my family in total. It could be, I need rest right now because I'm sick and I need to take care of myself. It could be, I'm having a bad day and I feel like sulking, you know, whatever. So work has to come second. That has to be in there. And a third thing would be um, the people I work with, I'm like, it's, it's about values, right? Like I can't work with, I can't work with people, um, or with companies who I don't believe genuinely have other people's best interests at heart. So like for many years ago in my freelance writing business, I was offered a contract by a major, um, food company. And one of the foods they make is baby formula. No issue with feeding babies formula. I have major issues with companies that market formula aggressively and like downplay the role of breastfeeding in hospitals. So like when they're sending people into hospitals, into maternity wards to be telling moms, oh, you don't need to bother breastfeeding. That Mm -hmm. was a major issue for me. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not helping you put that message out there. And my husband was like, it's so much money. And I was like, it's my soul. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, And and I say this a lot to people like, no, they say, I just want a client. I just want any client. I'm like, no, you don't. Because if I offered you right now, I promise you right now, you could get a job writing commercials for like, um, what are they called? Like e-cigarette companies marketing to teenagers. Do you want that job? (laughs) No, you don't. No, you don't. Right. Like if you do, I don't want to talk to you. So like, no, you don't. You don't just want any client. You want clients who like you feel really good about doing the work. So, yeah. Uh, I love that. It it feels really good. It feels like you are part of, because you are of making that impact that they're making. That's like the cool thing, whether it's being a business coach or a copywriter or designer, like you're making an impact on your clients, but then you're also a part of the impact that they're making. And now it's like suddenly you're part of like all these huge impacts. I love that one. That's so good. The reason I want to ask, start asking that question is just to encourage other people to think about that. And I think that this episode um, 
accidentally and divinely kind of talked about all these things, like think thinking about these things and money can be a part of it. Make that money, yeah. but think bigger than just the money because I think I think the the lesson here and for the whole podcast and all the conversations lately are like, you can make a lot of money, but you can also do it in a way where it's giving you all these other freedoms that really, really matter too, you know? So totally. your answers totally. were perfect. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> a plus. <laughs> Well, that's my love language. So that works for me. Um, and I'll tell you know, I'll add one thing. Um, one of the things I encourage my own students to do is to look at clients in light of whether they're high ROI or low ROI clients. And I'm very clear that I'm not just talking about money because you could have a client who pays you, let's say a thousand dollars a month and a different client who pays you, let's say $500 a month. Right. And maybe your thousand dollar a month client needs you for like two meetings every single month and they're constantly emailing and they like really quick answers to their emails and they're not really great with boundaries and whatever. And like you work really hard for that thousand dollars. Whereas your $500 client, like you do the thing, it takes 30 minutes a month. It's done. You send it. The response is usually like an emoji, like thumbs up, man. You know, like <laughs> you don't have to do anything else. It's so to me, that's a very high ROI client because mm-hmm. it's so little effort um, and and it feels good. And I don't have to, I don't have to work very hard to, to make that money. Right. So it's so important to look what is high ROI for you versus low ROI and, and to think about your clients that way. Oh my God. Such a good tip. I love it. <laughs> Um, so we didn't talk much about freelance writing (laughs) in this episode, (laughs) but if you are interested in learning more about that, then definitely follow Abby. Can you let everyone know where they can follow you, find more information about what you do and all of that? Absolutely. Check out successfulfreelancemom.com. And I am on Instagram as at Abby Parrots. I love it. Simple. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Awesome. All right. Well, to everyone listening, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Real quick before you go, if this episode gave you value, got you inspired, or has you feeling more confident than ever about your big goals, can you do me a quick favor and go leave a review? It would mean the absolute world to me, and it helps other powerhouse women just like you find the show, which is truly the best gift that you could ever give me. So thank you in advance for leaving a five-star review. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon.